Let me pray, and then we'll go into a time. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Central, and I'm excited to be um, with you this morning. Uh, Let's go before the Lord, and then we'll have a time of reading the scriptures. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful. Uh, Your mercy uh, endures forever for me. Your mercy endures forever for those in this room. Uh, And God, I pray that... um, Uh, we would all be renewed by the power of your spirit and through uh, the teaching of your word. I'm grateful that you won't just let me teach and get away with it, but you challenge my heart often, um, and I'm thankful for that. So, Lord, I hope that I'm pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, If you don't mind standing, if you can, we'll be reading Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is the, the end of our series uh, this week. I get that opportunity to close it down, and so uh, I'm excited to do so. Um, it's been a great series, great preaching in it, and thankful to be a part of it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, um, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is, it, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country, that uh, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish? For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah didn't answer, but Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it, uh, he sat under it in the shade till he should see what will become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm and attacked the plant, and so it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor you did not make grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from the left and also much cattle? Before we sit down, say this with me. I'll say it, then you repeat. When your anger encounters a compassionate God. Let's do it one more time. When your anger encounters a compassionate God. Thank you. You may be seated. Lord, 
I can't believe that you would do something so kind. Lord, how is it that you would bless them like this in such a way? Lord, those people can't come to you. You you can't show them your mercy and your kindness like that. Lord, it's like you're being so kind and compassionate to them, but but what about me? What what about me? What about my request? We've all been angry, right? Right? I mean, I'm the only one. I ain't going to sit and be quiet and be like, nah, that's you, brother. (laughs) We've all been angry. Um, And and, and anger is not entirely wrong. Uh, We we need anger um, so that we can have passion to to fight for what is right sometimes. Right? When when you see an injustice, you you don't just get sad and, and then cry and then stay moping. Usually, when you see an injustice, there's something that wells up inside of you of that not being right. And so you get, you get angry about that, and that anger causes that passion for you to be able to go out and do something. Sometimes, you know, that anger leads to us praying. Sometimes that anger leads to us protesting. Sometimes that anger leads to an action. But anger in itself is not entirely bad. We, we've all been angry for someone that we know, some type of injustice that we've seen. A friend of ours experiences something that he or she was wronged, and we feel, we have empathy, and we, we jump in their shoes, and we feel that for them. And it makes us angry. We get angry about those things. Somebody we love and care about is wrong. It, it, it causes us to be angry and wants us to to move into some type of action. But sometimes our anger is misplaced or inappropriate, right? We don't see this, but usually our anger is misplaced and inappropriate when pride is connected to it. Or our anger is misplaced or misguided when fear is connected to it. And so we have to do something to where we we understand that this is a God-given emotion and it doesn't scare God and it's a part of our relationship. We utilize anger to fight for our marriages sometimes. Like we we utilize anger to be able to be on mission in the church. I've heard Daniel say this over and over. It's like, hey, uh, we want people who are angry enough to go do something about it. Right? And so, so we want that, but, but sometimes with pride and with fear, our anger can be in misplaced or misguided. And on some occasions, our anger can be completely wrong. In this case, I, I believe we get the opportunity to examine Jonah. And I believe we get to see wrong anger. But I don't want to stop there because... Uh, as I said before, when our anger encounters a compassionate God, like we said that statement, and I wanted us to keep that in our brains because um, anger will be a part of who you are. But when anger, even wrong anger, even righteous anger encounters, encounters a compassionate God, something changes. 
But, but I don't want to miss this because I think this is valuable as well. I want us to see that even in the midst of Jonah's wrong anger, right, if it was entirely wrong, right, but, but in the midst of his wrong anger, he was authentic, he was what we like to say real, uh, he was keeping it real, and he, he didn't fake it. Amen. Now, unlike some of us sometimes, right, when we experience anger, even in the church, we have the tendency to be a little bit shielded. Like, we don't want anybody to see our anger, especially maybe not even God. But Jonah is right up front with God and is like, hey, here I am. I'm angry, I'm, I'm petty, and I'm pouting. He didn't fake it. But... He was met by God with compassion. So as we jump into verse 1, I want to read verse 10 in chapter 3 to give us just a touch of what's going on. So in verse 10 in Jonah chapter 3, it says this, When God saw, that, that they did, uh, saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. And we jump in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, and straight out the gate, this displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Are you surprised? You've been tracking along with us in this story, and Jonah is a work, right? But sometimes we're not that far away, if not the same. To be displeased with God means that Jonah was annoyed with God. Jonah was annoyed with God. So, so here God is in his goodness and in his mercy. Jonah is, is displeased and he is angry. And so like on some levels, I feel like Jonah may have had this thought in his head like, okay, God, like I know about your goodness and I know about your mercy, but this is not just and you are punking out just a little bit. Can I say that? Right? You ever prayed that prayer for somebody who you want to meet Jesus and you want God to maybe rough him up a little bit and he doesn't and you're like, God, you could have touched his arm a little bit or something. What kind of voodoo are you practicing? Uh, Jonah didn't want that. Jonah wanted destruction. He was angry. The last part in, in this verse, if you read it, after a little bit of study, it says that not only was he, so he had displeasure and he was annoyed with God, but the last part also suggests that his anger is translated that Jonah was, this was evil to Jonah with great evil. That the work that God was doing in Nineveh to this 120,000 people and the cattle was, was not only annoying, but it, in Jonah's eyes, for some twisted weird reason, it was evil and it was great evil. This is, this is God's prophet. He was angry. One author says this. He says, um, there could be many reasons for Jonah's displeasure. It is sad to see him in a place that limits, uh, in a place 
to, to, sorry, it is sad to see him place limits on the same grace that saved him. Been there before? God redeemed, Jonah was annoyed and angry. God did something special, uh, Jonah couldn't accept it. God was bringing about salvation, but Jonah was in his feelings. And his feelings had him. His feelings had him. I want to lock in on this, this, this next verse, just a touch, and, and this is Jonah's prayer. So in the midst of Jonah being in this place of annoyed, displeased, like keep this track list going, right? He's annoyed, he's displeased, and he feel like what God has did, even though we all know, seeing with clear eyes that what God is doing is righteous and it's redemptive, Jonah sees this as evil and it's great evil. And so then, in the midst of all of this, he prays. Here's his prayer. Almost a confession. He says, O oh Lord, is this, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste and I fled Tarshish. For I, this is, I feel like I'm saying it this way. For I knew that you are a gracious God and a merciful God and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And yeah, I knew that. Therefore, oh Lord, please take my life. I don't want it. Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah then prayed. As much as I'm kind of beating Jonah down right now, I kind of wish I was like him. When I faced these moments where I felt like God didn't deal me the hand that I was supposed to get, I don't pray. I, I don't. I, I probably continue on pouting. At most, I might go tell a friend about it and get him to try to jump in the same boat with me and continue having pity on myself. But I'm not praying because I don't necessarily feel like praying. But at least, at, at the very least, Jonah prayed, even though it was reluctant, even though it was a little bit, he seemed a little bit petty and pouting and he wanted to die, at least he prayed. That should teach us something. I, I feel like it's something there that in the midst of God doing what he was doing, Jonah feeling displeased and annoyed by what God was doing in the big grand scheme plan, not even knowing all that he was doing, he also was angry. He felt this was evil. How could you, God? He's still kind of like a little baby, went back and prayed. His theology was right. His prayer action was noble, but Jonah had a sick heart. Let me read this to you, and I'm, I'm going to read it twice so you, can, so you can catch this. Any woman or man can have sound knowledge, doctrine, and theology, but when your heart is sick... Your knowledge becomes tainted and a sick weapon that turns on itself and then becomes displeased with God. A sick heart, a sick heart with good theology, you're in a bad spot. And if I'm reading scriptures correctly, 
we are all probably more bent towards having a sick heart than right theology. Thank God for his grace and how he's continuing to redeem our hearts. Thank God in that. But most of the things I, I would like to say that we deal with are not necessarily spiritual, but emotional and heart issues. That's another sermon. Let me get back focused. But any woman or man can have sound knowledge, doctrine, theology, and know this stuff mentally. But when your heart is sick, your knowledge becomes tainted and, and a sick weapon that turns on itself and becomes displeased with God. Jonah was displeased with God. Jonah prayed and he said, God, listen, I know that you have mercy and, and grace and steadfast love and that you will show these people all types of kindness. That's why I left. Sick hearted. Let's keep going. Jonah went, uh, God asked him these questions and he, he, he says, do you do well to be angry, Jonah? In other words, he asked him, he said, Jonah, do you have the right to be angry? Jonah didn't respond. He didn't say anything. Instead, he left, he went east, and he built him a fort. And he sat there waiting to see what would take place in the city. Because maybe, maybe he still kind of hoped somewhere in his heart of his that God would destroy the city. He almost built him this, this temporary fort that was made like it, it wasn't even complete. Like, come on, man, you, you way out here, what you got? Some grass, probably not a lot, a few sticks, and you're going to build a fort, and you're going to wait like a spectator to see the city get destroyed. So that's what you're going to do, Jonah. But notice that in the next verses, that God didn't rebuke Jonah. I read in a commentary that it was almost like um, you, you get in this place of where nothing is working your way. And so you create more uh, inconvenience for yourself. It's going to be cold at night and it's going to be hot in the morning. But you're going to take your little tail out here and you're going to add more inconvenience to your life so you can be even angrier at God for the circumstances. And so Jonah takes himself out here, and he builds his tent, and God uh, does something gracious. He gives him a plant. Now, there's some argument in this about whether or not this was a, a castor oil plant or a growl. And, and let, me, let me show you how intense this argument was. This, this argument was so intense that it caused a riot. So uh, um, Jerome and Augustine had this, this fighting over this plant. You can go research it later. And they, they were, they were, it was a church meeting, I think. It seems like a church meeting. And so they were fighting, trying to figure out what do we call this plant? It doesn't matter. Because here's what I'll tell you about the plant. It was big. And it had big leaves. Because it covered Jonah. So we could keep moving. <laughs> whether it was a castor oil plant, whether it was a grout, it doesn't matter. Because the Lord is about to utilize that plant 
for this specific purpose to be able to teach Jonah something twice. He's going to take care of his physical need, but he's also going to teach him something in the spiritual realm with a plant. And so here it is, this plant, while Jonah is sitting as a spectator, looking over the city, hoping that it's destroyed, he probably still holding on to this sense of, I hope God gets him, right? I hope he doesn't, like, save him. God gets this plant over the top of him. He's cooling down. God appointed a plant to give him more shade, um, to save him from his discomfort, is what the text says. It literally means to deliver him from his evil. Jonah's angry with God. He's frustrated, and he thinks God is being evil. He builds himself a tent in the east part of the city, and he watches on. And God says, let me give you a covering to deliver you from your evil. Like, let me provide something for you so, so, so I can deliver you from your discomfort. Let me, let me give you something so I can teach you something, right? You see God's provision, you see God's kindness, and you see God's un, his mercy, and it's all unmerited. This is the first time that we see something that's changed. Jonah is exceedingly glad. God gave him a plant, and Jonah got happy. Praise God for that, because Jonah's been kind of angry. So he has a plant, and now Jonah is happy. Um, he hadn't experienced this emotion when he was, like, delivered from the well, or the repentance of uh, Nineveh, the possible 120,000 people, and the cattle being delivered and redeemed. Maybe Jonah still had this false sense that God is providing for me covering. Therefore, he still hears my prayers. Therefore, the city will be destroyed. I'm guessing on that. Maybe he has these thoughts that on some level the Lord is still with me in this. And I would say he is, but Jonah, the Lord is not with you like you think he is. So he, he takes this plan and he covers Jonah. And so um, maybe, maybe, maybe Nineveh might be destroyed. But then on the next day, God took something, a, a worm. Uh, some people say it was like this specific black caterpillar that took a bite out of the plant, out of the provision that, that God gave Jonah to cover him. You see, it's interesting because God appointed the plant, then he appointed the worm, and they both were used for his own purposes. They both were in his kindness and in his love. They both had different teaching points of God's sovereign plan. Throughout the book, we see the theme of destruction, but we haven't really seen anything be destroyed. And for the first time, we see something being destroyed. And it's not Nineveh, and it's not idols, and it's not the cattle. It's the thing that is being destroyed is the thing, the only thing that Jonah was finding joy in. Isn't that interesting? 
that out of all these things that are taking place in this story, Jonah finds joy in a plant. And then God appoints a worm, something lowly, that comes from the dirt, right? Just like the plant, right? To eat the plant, and it withers. And Jonah had a problem with that. Have you ever been a place like that? Where, where the only place that you found any type of peace or the only place that there's a little bit of covering or I can get a little bit of identity in this spot and then God just seems to send a worm and it kind of withers and you can't attach to that because it's now dead. Have you ever thought that maybe it wasn't necessarily the thing that we should have been focusing on that the whole time God is trying to teach you something like he's trying to teach Jonah something that he didn't get the first 18 times? Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one in the room that's hard-headed and don't get it on the first, second, or third go-round. And Jonah has to learn and feel something a little bit different. So maybe that thing for you, though, but maybe it's not a complete loss, right? Maybe you didn't take a complete L, but, but maybe it's the only place that you found joy, and you're finally at this place of like, ah, I can breathe a little bit. And then in, in comes that uneasiness, and in, in comes that, that, that situation, and in comes that, 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 that breakup, or in comes that, and that, that pay cut. What are you doing? It may not have anything to do with the actual object or thing or person, but maybe God in his kindness, even though it doesn't seem kind to you right now, is trying to deal with you. So the plant withers and then the sun is raising the next day. Now, God takes a scorching east wind. Plan is removed. Jonah no more covering. God is teaching him something. In the study, it said that this, so it said the sun beat down upon Jonah, and he was faint, and he wanted to die. In the study, it said that this wind and heat combo is called, quote, unquote, the scorcher, that the hot air could be so full of positive ions, this is for you scientists in the room, that it could affect the levels of serotonin and other brain neurotransmitters causing feelings of exhaustion, depression, unreality, and sometimes bizarre behavior. So Jonah was in this little fort that he was watching the, the hoping maybe that the city would be destroyed and God was protecting him from something. But at the time when Jonah probably needed, God had removed it so that he'll be able to teach Jonah something. Uh, Tony Evans says this. What a lineup God used to go after Jonah this time. A plant, a worm, and a scorching east wind. It's all at his command, and God can tell the waves or the wind what to do with you when you get where you think you have moved beyond God's presence. His sovereign plan his hands, well 
scorching heat, a worm, and a plant. God utilized these things to show Jonah something about him that Jonah possibly thought he already knew. How awesome is this in God in that he is simultaneously redeeming 120,000 people and the heart of his disciple at the same time. You know, I heard, I heard a, a pastor say that sometimes God is doing 10,000 things in your life, but you're only aware of two of them. How awesome is it that, that, that Jonah is still pouting and he's still angry, and he wants to die, and he's still displeased with God, that God is big enough, and his grace, is, his grace encompasses us enough, and his kindness is so large that he just hugs us. And he teaches us. And he doesn't let us wander off pouting. He grows us. And we have personal responsibility. We're supposed to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. But Jonah's in this place where he's not a perfect man. I, I want us to utilize that. Like it, we're in this room and we're not perfect people. We all don't have it together. But God somehow still utilizes us for his perfect plan. He uses imperfect people for a perfect plan. That's amazing to me. Now as we close down, I want to read these last two verses. And it says, the Lord said, Jonah, you, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And, and, and I almost feel like there's a pause here. And should I not pity Nineveh? Can you see this conversation take place? Like, and should I not, wait, you pity a plant, and should I not Nineveh? It's 120,000 people, Jonah. You have pity and passion and everything for this plant that you had nothing to do with. Wait, Jonah, so now you pity the plant? Wait a minute, you didn't make it grow. You didn't, you didn't water it. You, you, didn't, you didn't sing to it. You, you have no connection to it, Jonah. Besides one thing, Jonah, your connection to the plan is that it only served you. Let me tell you something. If our connectivity to ministry, life, or individual is, is the, and the value and placed on it and the sickness that we experience when it's gone is placed up on the only fact if you narrow it down is that it served you, we in trouble. Like, like, for example, listen to Jonah today. Hey, I like that cause right there, but I, I don't like those people. I can fight for that, but I don't know how that's going to be in front of everybody else, so I don't know about being associated with that group of people. If it, it, it only served Jonah, this plant that Jonah has pity on, and the fact that he was exceedingly glad that his emotions changed when the plant was, was given to him, and then his emotion changed again when the plant was taken away, so much so that he wants to die, demonstrates Jonah's selfishness as well. 
Lord, help mine, because I have it. Jonah, I'm talking about people, not a plant. The story ends so abruptly. It, it's almost deafening to me. I'm reading through this, and I mean, I mean that, that it, it should be more here, right? Like, it has to be more to this story. But, I mean, you have all this action that took place before we got here. I mean, you got Jonah running from God, Jonah getting thrown overboard, then Jonah being eaten by a whale, and then the whale's gastric flu is not dissolving Jonah into a, a mush, and God utilizing the carcass of the whale so that he can be, the whale is a campsite for three days. Wait, and then, wait, okay, God is continuously saving this dude. Then he gives him a big plant for shade. Then a worm came and ate the plant. And now you got this scorching east wind that was too hot to handle. And Jonah had got to this point where he said, look, just um, kill me. And God says, should I not pity the 120,000? And the cattle. You know why there was nothing said from Jonah this time? It was because the conversation was over. God had taught Jonah what he needed to learn. And whether he accepted it or not, that's based on him. We don't know. But either he got it or he didn't. Either he had a heart change or he didn't. Either he, had, he got to this point where he made a shift in his theology and his heart or he didn't. We don't know. But one author says this, that at the, at the very worst, we see a prophet with a shocking disregard for human life and a bitter hatred towards those who have experienced God's mercy. And at the very, at the very best, we have a prophet who misunderstood God's mercy and had a limited view of God's plan for the redemption of his own people. But here's what we do know. You can run all you want. You can be as mad as you want to be. You can shake your fist at God as much as you want. You can pray and you can cry and you can ask God to even take your soul. But you will never change or throw the character of God or his plan. And here's, here's the thing that you need to take home. There is always grace, mercy, tenderness and love when you when you and when your anger encounters a compassion to God like we see in the case of Jonah it's finally when we get the opportunity to see grace let's pray Lord Jesus thank you you're kind you're merciful you're abounding in steadfast love and as I say that with my mouth, from the knowledge that I have in my head, I pray that you'd connect it to my heart. So when I don't recognize it or when I resist it, no matter the case, that you will demonstrate it to me that I may be able to show it to others. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.